Well, we begin tonight with a familiar topic, testing our patients while waiting to be served by our government. Service Canada, as you may know, is meant to serve as a single point of access for all of us to the federal government's most used programs, things such as social insurance numbers, EI, Canada Pension Plan, old age security, and passports. Well, the huge demand for the latter, because we all want to travel again, seems to be causing these really long waits. We're seeing people camped out in front of Service Canada offices. It's it's ridiculous. And of course, lots of frustration for those trying to access, uh, especially those trying to seek urgent stuff. So Global BC did a great report last night. John Hua uh, spoke with this uh, woman from the Lower Mainland, Kim Bokler, who said she had waited for 13 hours, cumulatively over three separate attempts to submit Canada Pension Plan death benefits paperwork for her cousin with mobility problems. Here she is explaining what she's had to go through. I arrived at 8.08. I brought a chair. I brought a lunch, brought medication and a book and a scarf, everything I could need. I understand that we've got glitches. This isn't a glitch. This is broken. They've got excuses for pretty much everything. Um, I'm just not buying this one. Well, the reason seems to be they don't have enough staff, uh, and that could have been foreseen. Apparently there were warnings that they were going to be short-staffed once people wanted to travel again and everyone started heading to those offices. Uh, Employment and Social Development Canada rather told Global that, uh, that the waits for processing times, at least for death benefit applications and so on, continues to exceed standards. They don't mention how long you have to wait to submit the paperwork. Uh, the Prime Minister also said this week that Service Canada is onboarding 500 new passport office workers, so I guess perhaps some relief on the way. Uh, but this lack of preparation really is a bit of a travesty. And of course, employees in there, you can only imagine what kind of reception uh, they're getting or what kind of greetings they're getting for people coming in the door after a seven-hour wait. Um, the Canada Employment and Immigration Union represents Service Canada workers and National Union Vice President Crystal Warner joins me now. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Um, we're seeing these these lines um, just pop up just about everywhere. What is the problem from, from your perspective? Well, from the union's perspective, I think uh, this is clearly the fault of the employer at Service Canada in not being proactive um, in staffing up. Uh, to ensure that there would be appropriate levels of staff, that there would th- that those staff that were there would be appropriately and adequately trained, uh, trained for a period of time that that was appropriate. I think also we're having a lack of retention of employees um, because of the long lineups, because of the risks on health and safety, the never-ending stress that workers are experiencing. You know, trying to do their best to provide services to Canadians under these conditions the lack of retention has been a factor as well. So I think there's been a lot of contributing factors to the current situation with the lineups. How is it manifesting itself? I mean, why are we seeing these lines? So, I mean, it was, there was, I think clearly just a lack of pre-planning. We, I think most Canadians could have guessed and known that this type of situation would be something that was coming. Um, you know, once the borders opened up and folks are able to travel again, this just seemed obvious to us. So it was really strange that, you know, when we would ask the employer, so what are the staffing levels? You know, how many how many people are we bringing in? Are we doing it pop-up sites? Like, what is the plan? We never got firm answers and it never seemed like there was much of a plan. And so the existing staff um, continued to deal with uh, these these harsh working conditions, and that led into the next problem of the lack of retention. So, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of people needing public services and, and not enough workers, not enough trained employees, and not enough locations to be able to get them in a timely way. 
I suppose this would be exacerbated by the fact that Service Canada in of itself is supposed to be a hub. So that's where people go, right? You, that needs to be the one-stop shop for all these services. Absolutely. And if you can think about the impact that that's having on the employees, like the more that the federal government cuts access to public services. So they've closed the doors, you know, before you could go get help at a CRA office with your taxes, you could, you know, walk in and and speak uh, at different locations with the federal government to go get assistance for different public services. More and more, the government is trying to put everything on Service Canada. So like you say, it becomes this one-stop shop. But how can any one person retain all of that knowledge and information? How can someone reasonably be be expected to understand EI legislation, CPP, OAS, passports, and whatever else they throw at them? Like, there is an unrealistic expectation from the government about what one worker (laughs) should be expected uh, to, to be become an expert on. And so what's the result of that? The result of that is that Canadians are not getting the service that they deserve. The passport issue clearly is the one that exacerbated, but it's having a cascading effect, clearly. Absolutely, it is. And what we're seeing in these lineups that are starting, you know, one in the morning in some places, I've seen people camp out in tents overnight, uh, people showing up three, four in the morning to line up because they need to get their EI, they need to get their CPP and OAS. So we've got lineups of mothers in with babies in strollers that are waiting in the rain, in the sun. Uh, we have seniors, you know, that are have mobility issues and so forth, and they're sitting there waiting in line all day. So what's being done to them is just, it's completely inappropriate and it's disrespectful to the clients that the government is supposed to be serving. Uh, Crystal, have we ever seen anything like this in the past? Because I don't recall ever having trouble getting into a Services Canada office, at least not at this scale. We've never seen anything like this scale. Like the working conditions for our members right now is pitiful. Uh, We have had to have conversations with our members about the right to refuse dangerous work because I think as you can appreciate, if you've been waiting all night to only get told, you know, come back tomorrow, uh, people get upset. And so unfortunately, we've had several instances of violence um, and employees that have been attacked uh, by clients. Um, We even had a gun threat at one of the offices in, in Toronto like we've had really serious threats on the the wellness of the employees. Um, this is a really serious situation that the poor planning of the government has led to putting these employees at risk. And and as you mentioned, retention, clearly, you can't afford to be losing people at this point either. No, and I think this myth that federal public sector employees are overpaid and, you know, um, this is a thing of the past. (laughs) Um, So you have uh, literally entry-level positions like clerks in the federal public service, some of the lowest paid employees in the government of Canada, and they are being expected to understand various legislations, how to apply it, how to do decision-making on people's EIs and so forth. It is, it is completely ridiculous. Like it, it's embarrassing that this is the government of Canada and it's treating its employees in this way. Uh, how, how short-staffed are you right now, as far as you can tell? It really depends on what offices people are looking at or what parts of the country that they're in. Um, but, you know, in a lot of our offices, uh, half the the wickers are, are filled, you know. So, like, in some of the offices, we could easily double 
um, the, the number of staff. It, it really just depends where in the country we are. You know, some of the uh, smaller locations, I was just in Northern Ontario and, uh, you know, the numbers are, they're all right. Um, they're, they're, they're mostly adequate, but in major centers, it's ridiculous. Like we, we would need to staff up hugely. And it does take time to train. I mean, the complexity you just described, how long does it take to actually train someone to, to fill those positions? Sometimes I wonder if it's possible for anyone to be so fully trained to understand everything that is expected of these workers. Um, at minimum, I would say a year to be able to get to a point where you're able to adequately and appropriately provide a client with a, a level of service that they would expect from the government of Canada. Uh, so even now, you know, uh, next month, for example, every year in July, the government of Canada sends uh, letters uh, to seniors, letting them know that their their guaranteed income supplement has changed, and so in, inevitably every July we get lineups of seniors at our doors, looking to either dispute or to get an explanation or to get some assistance with this. So what's going to happen next month? Things are already this bad. In July, we're going to see seniors in the sun, outside in these lineups, waiting for assistance, and it's it's unacceptable. Clearly, this this may get worse, which which is a frightening thought. I'm speaking uh, with Crystal Warner, who's the uh, vice president, national vice president uh, for the Canada Employment and Immigration Union. We're talking about these long lineups we've been seeing at Service Canada uh, offices, particularly in major cities across the country, uh, exacerbated in some ways by passport issues, but now cascading all the way down into all sorts of other issues. As you, you may know, Service Canada uh, offices are hubs. We're meant to go to serve. We're sent to Service Canada to solve all kinds of issues or get all kinds of things uh, settled. Uh, after this, we'll talk a bit more about just what can be done, what kind of solutions do we need to see in the short term uh, to make sure that these uh, lineups don't get worse before they get better. That's next. I'm speaking with Crystal Warner. She's the Union National Vice President for the Canada Employment and Immigration Union, uh, which represents Service Canada workers. We're talking about these long lineups we've been seeing specifically in major centres uh, at Service Canada offices for people trying to get information about all sorts of things. Passports seems to have been the uh, the initial surge of demand, but it's creating a cascading effect for all kinds of things like employment insurance and, and guaranteed income supplement and so forth. Uh, or um, and, and as Crystal was mentioning, with uh, in July, it could just get worse before uh, before we see if we don't see any improvement. So, so Crystal, what can be done? What can be done now to try and make sure that this that we don't witness these lineups right through the summer? My priority, of course, with uh, being a representative of the union, is the the health and safety of my members. And so, I am very concerned about the impact that it's having on current employee wellness. So, I think that the employer really needs to sit down. With its, with its employees and have a, a discussion about what support measures need to be in place for people's wellness. Because if you're sitting there, you know, for seven hours a day, eight hours a day, and, and people are coming up to the counter and they're being rude to you all day like that, yeah. that's a lot for any one employee to take. So assuring the, the health and safety of its employees is our first priority. Um, we would love to see them obviously staff better, but those new workers are also need to be given appropriate support and mentorship and training. So onboarding folks better 
and making that a priority as well, instead of just putting somebody on the front lines two days after they've been hired, that's not doing anyone a good service. Uh, so those are those are some things that would need to happen. We would also really like to have more of an ability to be able to allow the employees in the Service Canada Centre to triage the lineups. That would assist in ensuring that the people that are coming in for their EI, their CPP, their OAS, looking for a way to ensure that they're feeding their families that night, those folks need to come to the front of the line. And unfortunately, our requests to triage the lines in these ways have been denied. So we are really urging the federal government to reconsider its approach and to allow the employees the leverage to do what they need to do and the support that they need in order to properly serve Canadians. Because triage has come up in, in different contexts as well, whether it be uh, immigration at the airport. I mean, the idea of prioritizing certain people when not everyone is getting served in a timely manner seems to be a bit of a no-brainer. Why is it so difficult to have it done? Is it just that they don't trust you to triage? And and that's a question we've been asking is why are we not allowing this and this approach of first come, first serve? What about first most in need? Who are the most vulnerable sectors of society? Those should be the individuals that we are given the privilege of being able to provide a service to first. So why the stubbornness on the part of the employer? Why the bureaucracy and not allowing that flexibility? I could not tell you that would have to be a question for Service Canada. Crystal, I would imagine that over the years, relationships have generally been relatively okay um, with your with the employer. What do you think is different now? What's I mean, if, if you were warning them six months ago that this might be a problem, and I think we're seeing this in other facets of the uh, of of, uh, of the bureaucracy as well. What do you think is true? Why do you think there was no plan, or at least as far as you could tell, why do you think they weren't listening to you? Well, um, we have had a good relationship in the past, and we do continue to to have consultations. It seemed in this situation that there was a denial of what was coming and that denial led to an action. And so now we find ourselves in this situation and why they couldn't have predicted what the rest of us in Canada seem to be aware of, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, they're also, for us, the frustration is the impact on the current employees. Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems like there's a lack of consideration for the current employees and for their safety, uh, for their wellness. Um, it just, it's a disrespect. It's a disrespect to their employees and not acknowledging and legitimizing the reality of the situation that we find ourselves in. Any advice for those who may find themselves waiting in a long line when they step in the door to see that person in front of them and may not get the answer they're looking for? Please be kind. Please know that these workers are working their tails off, doing everything that they can to serve Canadians, and and they're doing their best. And and know that you know if you are frustrated, contact your member of parliament, contact Service Canada. Um, but please don't take it out on the workers. Do you expect this to get to get better fast, or are you worried about what's coming up in July with these GIC uh, letters going out and seniors standing in the sun? Is is that is that a legit? Are you, are you legitimately worried we're going to be speaking again in six weeks? All we are doing right now is being worried and doing the best that we can to advocate for our members. Um, we have no assurance at this point that things are going to improve. So as we continue to open up, um, as we, you know, remove uh, the number of barriers uh, that folks may have had in getting the services, and as we continue to provide misinformation, you know, what we hear things like the government saying, oh, you know, if you come and you do this application, you're going to get that service in, in two days. 
all those deadlines are being blown out of the water. So I think the government needs to be honest with Canadians and share with them the reality of the situation. Don't make promises you can't keep. Crystal Warner, thank you so much. For thank your you for having today. me.